Welcome. Love welcome, Hope welcome. Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight we're going to discuss generational curses. And we're going to follow up immediately with generational changes. Oftentimes we do and see things that we really um, don't understand why. It has started to transfer into our personal lives based on the things we saw when we were young. Um, and it's simple things like uh, maybe opening the door for a stranger or on the other side of that same coin, flip off a driver who didn't make room to allow you to merge into a lane. Those are just minor examples. On a higher level, it could be you're the fifth generation living in a housing project or no one goes to college, only to prison. Those are the generational curses that we're going to discuss or address. We're going to understand why and teach by giving another perspective. We're going to invoke change to mindsets. We're going to plant seeds of generational change and rid those generational curses. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Good evening. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, sorry about that. We're we're talking about generational curses. We are. Okay. Um. Good. Uh. So. Um. I, I think that it's important to realize what type of generational curses plague you or your family in order for you to um, make a change about it. So I guess for me, I can think of many different topics we can expand upon. Um, Generational curses of single parents, um, failed marriages, um, generational curses of, you know, Going back to what we spoke about last week, excuse me, drug and alcoholism or addictions of any sort, Um, generational curses as far as, you know, um, criminal history or, or, you know, um, criminal background. So, you know, I think that when you think about it, the, the... Tonight, the challenge for the callers who call in and the streamers who are listening, you know, think about what plagues you and your family or what keeps you up at night. You know, what kind of changes are you trying to to make in your life so you don't pass those down to your children? And um, we actually kind of put a stop to the generational curses and turn them into blessings. Absolutely. That's a very, very good point, and that's a great challenge. Um, but first, before we can turn them into blessings, we must identify, you know, what mm-hmm. it is. Got to know what they are. That, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's difficult because we've done it for so long, so we don't realize that without better terminology that it's wrong, essentially, or that it's that it's bad. So... Let's let's get into it. You know, we all know that um, I personally don't believe that alcohol is bad. It's the excess of alcohol that's bad. It's the not being able to control 
the alcohol is bad. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. Now, alcohol, when when you look at it, any um, on a grand scheme of things, any thing isn't bad for you. I mean, eating a piece of fried chicken isn't bad for you. It's the excess. Um, so, you know, on a grand scheme of things, nothing um, in moderation is technically bad for you. Um, but when I say alcohol, I'm definitely talking about the abuse of alcohol and the dependency upon alcohol. And once it um, kind of takes away from the household, meaning, you know, you, you're you spending more on alcohol than you are paying your bills. You know, you're dependent more on alcohol than you are on, than you're not. So to speak. So, um, for for me, just looking back in my family, when we talk about alcoholism, it's um, you know it from my parents on back to to grandparents and uncles and aunts and siblings. Um, there's an abuse going on, and when I think about it, it's mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things where. You know, it keeps me, it doesn't necessarily keep me up at night, but the thought often crosses my mind as far as, you know, how do I teach my children not to um, use alcohol in excess? You know, do you say don't drink? Do you say, you know, simply because I know and I've seen what it's done to, to people before me in my family, um, how do I, you know, teach my children how to do better? I think that those are great questions. I believe that it's, it's not so much as it's don't because avoidance doesn't give you strength. I think you right. got to teach um, how to do things in moderation, how to not overindulge in anything, not just alcohol, right. but anything. Because if you have a, an addictive personality, it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol or video games, you're still going to be an addict of some sort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. So, um, and then, too, you know, let's talk a little bit further about it. Is, is alcoholism really a generational curse when you really look at it? Um, or what other types are there other types of generational curses that that we're missing you know um oh there's quite a few quite a few that's just that's just the name one there's i'm I'm assuming and with my lame knowledge that it's millions upon millions of generational curses one that opens the door and begots another problem yeah i'm sure that they are you know so even you know like Again, I, I say alcoholism because because that's you know my personal one of my personal experiences. And looking back on both sides of my family, how alcohol has has basically taken over some individuals in my family. Um, so that's one of those things where I see it, I'm aware of it, and um, you know I, I'd like to try and. Steer different, steer the ship a different way when it comes to, you know, my kids, so that you know they can in turn do the same 
for, you know, the generations thereafter. So um, what what other types, I mean, you know, of... Uh, well, one, I'm going to tell you, in my family, there are more people with criminal records than there are with uh, high school diplomas or, or college degrees. Um, okay. So it's, it's one of those things where I believe that it's, it's expected that you go this route uh, versus going to education because, you know, working for the man or working for whoever is not, is not good or, or a thing. You know what I mean? And I'm not necessarily going to say not good or a thing. It's not popular. It's more so about um, we're going to, we're going to get money, get money, get money, regardless of how we get money. Um, my family has a history of drug dealing, and then it stopped drug dealing and went to other type of hustles. Then it started becoming a drug user. So it's it varies. It, it, it really varies, but all of it and none of it <laughs> at the same time promotes healthy living, right? So reason why I say all of it. All of those things that I just named, nobody is being an, an example of, of healthy living. Nobody talks about, uh, we remember some time ago we, we spoke about balance, and I'm not a fan of that word, but nobody talks about priorities, right? I prefer priorities over balance. The priority you you is prefer to, what word? Say that again. Priorities? Priorities, yes. Over balance. Um, nobody talks about the priority of the youth watching, right? The youth mimicking, the youth having an understanding that it is important to be gainfully employed. It is important to save. It is important to invest. No one talks about that part. Only thing they talk about is get money and pay bills and buy shit. And that's, that's the okay. issue that I, I find because we get the money, we pay the bills, but are we paying, you know, is, it, is, the, is the bill in our name? You know, are we, are we building credit? Are we going about it the proper way for the long term? You, you follow me? There's a lot of, of, of questions that's being left out with just get money, pay bills. Right. I understand that. Okay, so let's go back a little bit because I want to kind of understand. We talk about, so when we talk about generational curses, I guess, what qualifies as a generational curse, so to speak? Is it um, the fact that generation after generation we repeat the same I guess nonsense as the previous generation generation did, such as bad credit and uh, or you know criminal records or, or anything. When it comes to um, what we would assume to be a generational curse, so how do we? I guess my question would be first of all, how do we quantify or, or um, identify what the generational curse is? We just look at 
historical? Well, what's based been on happening in our family. Um, based on, on, on like I said, my amendment now, those things are very far apart. Okay. Um, the generational it's it's was passed on from generation to generation by Sight unseen, if you will. Like you, just, you're doing it because this is what was done. This is what you saw, grandma do. This is what you saw, auntie do. This is what you saw, okay. mom do. This is okay. What you saw, you know what I mean. So now right. you're talking the things that. Just take religion for for example. Religion is 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 something that was passed down through tradition. Okay. Once you become an adult, then you either go the way you've been going, where you was taught, brought up, or you tend to venture off. Okay? But just follow me. Hold on, hold on real quick. So now that's one direction. Now you have education. If mom or dad wasn't big in education, they're not going to force you to go to school to be educated. And if so, it's just you're very, at the very tip of the iceberg. It's very few who want to see who enforce their child to do better versus just the theory, excuse me, or just saying they want to see their child do better. Because doing better, you must bring on change from what was previous. That makes sense? Yeah. So, um, so again, I guess I just wanted to make sure that we were clear on what we um, assume to be generational, a generation occurs. So, you know, when 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 you think about the, the curse, um, you know, you got to kind of or when you become a parent, okay, you got to kind of look at what has been done and what would be deemed as a generational curse in order to be able to break that cycle. So we talked about identifying. So that's why I was mm-hmm. asking, mm-hmm. you know, how, what, what aspects do we use or what, you know, how do we identify what a generational curse or is it a habit or it sounds like, what we're saying is a generational curse is also equivalent to a learned behavior that um, can be corrected. Sounds like it can be corrected, but you have to be able to recognize it in order to do so. Is that is a generational curse a learned behavior? Well, well, everything is, is a learned behavior. It's 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 uh, to me it's, it's it's all programming, right? Because you know, we get up and clean up on Saturday mornings because we did it as a kid. Okay, so because it's what mom did, mom did it because it's what grandma did. So that that cycle that continues, that's just on a simple level of, of generational curse. Now. Okay. Like I said, when it comes to five generations in a, in, in a housing project, that's definitely a generational curse. Okay, so let's just, let me just share this with you. Um, what I 
you know, through just a little bit of research is a generational curse is believed to be passed down from one generation to another due to rebellion against God. So, um, well, you know, I here? can't, no, he's not. So I can't really, I can't That's, really go into the, yeah. to the, <laughs> to the yeah. religion well, aspect, to the physical right, aspect, right. but I know from a simple aspect, it's, it's not, I mean, it may be, you may be rebelling and don't know you're rebelling. You only rebel well, because that's grandma and mom and, and your predecessor did. Well, right. And so I guess, you know, that once, you know, we, uh, once Pastor comes on the line tonight, we'll get a little clar- clarification on this. Because from the way it reads or the way it sounds, is like, the generational curse isn't necessarily brought on by the recipient. It could be brought on by the action of another. So it's kind of like um, almost sounds like the generational curse comes from your father's sin or rebellion against God, like you're paying for somebody else's sin. That's what it almost sounds like. Um but again, and, you know, yeah, I, I, I think the goal of the conversation tonight is to understand it um, so that we can identify it and take corrective actions. Well, my goal for tonight is to bring upon generational change, right? So we're going to only identify and correct it but we're going to be effective so that it can change. Just because, you know, grandma or granddaddy, somebody do something, you have their relationship with God now to go about and do things the way that God wants you to do. Assuming that it's he, so forgive my ignorance, that he wants you to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where... The change is truly coming You're not leaning on, on on your understanding. You are building a relationship. I can't have you know, like I said, I'm not gonna front like I'm I'm the pastor. I, I'm I'm not. I just know that I've seen generational habits that wasn't. Prosperous or, or for the greater good, and I believe that that's the difference between curse and a blessing. Okay, so so Based on we're somewhere life. along the yeah yeah we're somewhere along the line of talking about the generational habits, um, you know, until we get the full understanding of whether they are curses or not. Once Pastor gets on and gives us further clarification on that, but so for the sake of this, you know, let's let's talk about. I mean, we we touch on alcoholism, we touch on criminal background. You know, let's touch on. Let me on pause. Let me pause little... right there. Hold that thought. I'm sorry. Pastor's on the line. I'm going to introduce Pastor. Pastor Robinson. Okay. Yes, sir. Good e- good evening to everybody. Good evening. 
Before you get started, explain to us what's the generational purpose from, from a historical uh, biblical I'm sorry, husband, your connection. You, I, I can't hear. hear. I, I can't hear. Maybe I need to call back in. Uh, I can't hear. I can hear Monica a little. Like you, I can't hear you. Uh, you. Okay. What about I now? I think it's just gonna. There it is. There it is. There you go. That sounds better. Okay. So for for clarification, give us. I'm sorry. Greetings to you. For clarification, can you get explain to us? from a pastoral or biblical standpoint, what's the generational curse? Okay, and I'm giving you my definition, my understanding, my, you know, what I have learned um, and dealt with, you know, over the past uh, 24, 25 years, whatever it is. Um, And again, I'll always uh, say that this doesn't mean it's the only definition. It doesn't mean that mine is necessarily right, but it is mine. Uh, when it comes to the generational curse, um, it's for me, it's a belief that um, we have as people that we think that um, we can inherit, you know, something because of somebody else's wrongdoing, okay? In other words, um, for some, they believe that, okay, if um, – my grandfather died of cancer. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to die of cancer. If um, my father had the high blood pressure, then that's just going to be passed down to me. But then there's another form of it where people believe that, you know, uh, I come from a line of poverty. You know, it goes back, you know, 20 generations or whatever. And because they were poor, I'm going to be poor. Now, that's why I said that uh, the generational curse, um, uh, uh, is 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 a belief, and the reason I say it is a belief is because you know the bottom line is several things that have happened. Um, some things are just a generational choice. In other words, if I continue to eat the chitlins, the pork chops, the bacon, if I continue to eat all the things that my grandfather ate, guess what? I'm going to have a high blood pressure. But if I choose to eat properly, if I choose to exercise, if I choose to be more health conscious, then, yes, I am going to die, but I won't die from that. So I made a generational choice, all right? Uh, Likewise, when it comes to poverty, okay, everybody in my family has been poor. um, And because they're poor, they didn't leave me anything to work with. But I found out that if I work, if I grind, if I connect myself with the right people, if I make proper investments, if I give the way God told me to give, now all of a sudden my family may have been poor, but now I've benefited from from their misfortune. Um, and to give you a perfect example, I come from a line of people that um, were divorced. Nobody stayed married. I mean, the majority of my family, you know, every now and then one of them may stay together or whatever, but they came from divorce. My mom and dad, my wife's mom and dad. So basically that generational belief says it's just a matter of time. Well, we're clicking on 26 years right now, and what we had to do was decide, you know what, we're not going to sit here and say we're going to end up just like them, but we're going to, first of all, put God first, and then what we're going to do is work towards 
me being the best husband I can be, she being the best wife she can be, and we work at our marriage. And so, again, did we kill a generational curse? If that's what you want to call it, I call it we made a generational choice not to end up like my ancestors. So, in other words, that generational curse is when a lot of times we feel and believe that, you know, their uh, problems, their pain, their misfortune, and all of that is automatically passed down to me. It's automatically passed down to me. I may walk like you, but I'm not going to think like you. You know, I'm Absolutely. not going to do it. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, we it's passed on, if you say it, because we'll stay in the cursed area. When I say in the cursed area, if I stay around people that don't want anything, there's a great possibility I'm never going to want anything either. You know, that's just, unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. So yeah, I'll tell you that generational curses are real, but they're real until you come to the realization that I can do better than this. And I guess at some point maybe we'll talk about how do you break these things? What what are some things that you can do? Because it's um, a ton of things that you can do to get out of them. And then we have a responsibility not to pass anything on to our children unnecessarily. They're going to have their own troubles. They don't need mine. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where I am with this thing. Well, it does. It does. And, and like we mentioned earlier, um, once we identify generational curses, we're going to try to uh, evoke the cha- the, uh, a different thought process so we can bring upon mm-hmm. generational change. Yes. The issue is tapping into and identifying it for what it really is. For well, me, that's gonna take time. Uh, well, we got time. We got we ain't got none but time, <laughs> especially <laughs> if it's going to benefit our generations to come. Yes, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I come from. A, a, a line of, of hustlers and, and dealers. Okay? It wasn't until I made a conscious decision to not show that to my kids. Because we could continue this, this curse to where we have more criminal records than diplomas and degrees. Mm. Wow, that's just one. Well, let's, well, let, you know what? Let me throw one at you, and we'll just bounce them around and see, you know, um, because you know it, it's important. I think that we know that, um, you know, we can. That you, you say identify them. I, I think if we're going to identify them, we need to be honest and identify all of them. In other words, it may not be on this line, but you said that about you and your family. Pastor, Guess you what? That on me. I don't know you. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me see. All right, is that any better? Oh, much better. Okay, all right. Uh, I think it's important for us to identify, you know, all of the quote-unquote curses um, and tendencies. Uh, you said that about your family. Well, that's just one thing, but more than likely. Um, if your family's like mine, you have more than one 
curse. Oh, There's more than one tendency <laughs> to overcome. And, I, and so I'm going to throw one out now that you've thrown one out. Uh, one that, has, that bothers me uh, tremendously is I come from a family of, on one side of my family, I, the, y'all, 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 let me explain this because I don't know what else to say. But from a family of tree huggers. Okay. I come from a family of tree huggers. All right. And when I say tree huggers, this is what I mean. You know, you look out for family. Of course, you still you love your family. Don't you trust anybody else? Are you still with me? Hello. Hello. I'm here. I I don't know what's wrong with his connection. Hello. Apparently he's having. Can you hear us? I can hear Husband. you guys clearly. He can't hear us. Oh, that's what's going on. Because I can hear you clearly. I can he- hear him clearly. Yeah, oh. I don't know what's going on. Husband. I don't know what's wrong with his mind. Hey, Mr. Quick, you still with us? Justin, you Hello? have gone completely dark on Can you not hear us? Hold on for a second. Let me see if he can call back in. Pastor, are you still there? I am still here. Okay, stand by. Okay, Pastor. He can't hear us. Um, he's still on the line, but he can't hear us. So I'm trying to see if he will dial back in. Okay. Husband, are you there? Hello? Hmm. 
Pastor? Pastor? I'm yes, here. I'm Can here. you hear me? Okay, okay. I hear you all now. Okay, good deal. I don't know what went place, but I lost my guard completely. So, so the Pastor, last thing you said, I heard you say we were going to... Go back and, back and forth. forth. We're going to identify, identify these generational curses. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 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 important to um, identify as many as possible. You know, maybe you know you know you can't do your entire family on the line, and neither can I. But I think that after the line's over, you know, after we talk about it on the line. We literally need to sit down and make a list and say, okay, be honest with ourselves. I come up from a you know a a, um, a family of hustlers, a, a family of gamblers, a family of liars, a family of you know whatever. We need to be honest, and I think because it's family, we don't want to you know tell the truth about it, and that's why it keeps being passed down. I think you know the Bible said the truth is what makes us free. So if we're not going to be truthful about it, then guess what? We'll never deal with it. And uh, so I think that's important. And so you were talking about, you know, your family, you identified one of yours, and I said, well, let me give you one of mine, and, uh, you know, we'll go to Monica and everybody else and, you know, see, you know, look at some of these things. And the first one I threw out was I come from a, a family of, tree huggers and by that I mean you know what they look out for themselves they you know you're taught that this is your family you look out for them you know not, you know you don't hate anybody anything like that but you eat your family's cooking you stay around family you know where the majority of my family lives now if it was back in the 50s or the 40s you would think it's a plantation because everybody lives around Everybody else, you got an uncle here, uncle there, uncle there, uncle there. That's the way it is, you know. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for me it is. I think if that's what you want out of life, that's great. But, you know, you're expected after you get out of school, get you a little plot of land, get you a mobile home or or whatever you can afford, and you get somewhere around family so that if something ever happens to you, be it sickness, be it, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have family there to help you out. And that is a it's a slap in the face, but it's also uh, uh, a type of a curse that definitely needs to be broken, definitely needs to be broken. And, again, 
I, I don't fault my family. That's a choice that they made, but it's a choice I choose not to continue, a choice I choose not to continue. So that's just one of mine right there. That's scary to me because if, if a grenade go out, then everybody wiped out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're exactly, you're exactly right. When did it dawn on you that, that, that you didn't want to continue that? When I, when I literally, to be honest with you, when I got around someone that, you know, I, that was my norm. In other words, that was the way that it was until I got around someone that was doing something. When I got around someone that, you know, for instance, I went to their house, their house or whatever, and they were they they didn't have their brother living beside them. I'm like, well, what is this all about, and how is that, and on and on and on. So when I saw something different, and when I was exposed to something different, that's when I started thinking. Maybe this is not right, or maybe something's not right about this. I'll, I'll put it that way. So just when I was exposed to uh, something different, my exposure. Yeah. Exposure. Yes. That seems to be the gem, the jewel that that will. <laughs> Invoke a lot of thoughts, better ideas, exposure. We're gonna we're gonna pin that exposure. Miss Quick, what's your general curse that you wanna add to the to the list? Um, I, I actually have have three. I can definitely, uh, obviously, relate to to pastor. I have the same type of folk in my family um, that are, I didn't know they were called tree huggers, but uh, tree huggers. Um, also, <laughs> but also something that, that, that plagues my family, obviously I talk about it a lot because for me it's, it's just real serious. It's alcoholism. And I can't, I know, you know, for streamers and listeners and, you know, I, I mention it a lot because it's something that I've, I've li- I lived and it's something that I see, and it's, you know, I see what it's doing to my family and so many others. And I um, I can't fail my children when it comes to this particular demon. I have to be able to educate them and, you know, just kind of drive it home every day or every chance I get to, to make sure that, try and make sure that if they do run into an issue um, with alcohol, that, that they get delivered um, sooner rather than later, or preferably not at all. They don't run into it at all. So that's, that's one. And then another one that I find myself struggling with most times is pride. I come from a very prideful family um, on, on both sides. And um, I struggle you know, I have a personal struggle with with that. So, those are mine. Okay, those are those are good. So I'm asking the same question that I asked. Now. When you, or what, at what moment 
did you realize that that you wanted to change that? That that wasn't the road for you to travel that. Um, when when we talk about the alcohol abuse, um, I, I was in college, and you know, just constantly being around. Um, now, don't forget um, that I, I had a grandpa who who died of cirrhosis in the liver. You know, I have an uncle who's living with cirrhosis. I have a, a dad who's living with cirrhosis, and I have a mom who's in denial about being alcoholic at all. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I've seen it, I've, you know, and um, I've, I've lived a little bit of it myself because I had an issue when I went to college. But what, what really changed it for me, um, first and foremost, was the, I was, the impact that it, or the fallout that it had on my mom and I's relationship and um and then honestly uh I was pregnant with you know our first son and it you know changed my life and literally probably saved my life um because you I I couldn't do to him um what my family was doing to themselves and if it and if I knew and looked and saw that if it if if alcoholism can do this to um an older person like there there's no way my child would survive me drinking during pregnancy like that's just that's just crazy you know who would do that to their child and so I stopped okay so will you also Claim exposure. Uh, yeah, I guess I can claim exposure because the, the thing about that is, for me, what happened is, is as soon as I stopped, <laughs> as soon as I stopped drinking, you know, and and then I had obviously had um, Michael and stuff, and I began. Um, I got myself back into church and I began I was exposed to a new self I don't know if that makes sense to you guys but um, I was exposed to a new side of me or a side that I'd never gotten a chance to know and understand um because I was so busy trying to fit in with who my mom wanted me to be and who, I guess, my family expected me to be, um, that that I never got the chance to understand who I was. And so very late in life, I began to, you know, um, be exposed to just a different side of me and different things that I would like to do and you know the different the the person that I actually enjoyed being. Well, we're go, we're gonna put two on the exposure counter. Well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, another thing that plagues my family for generation first is just bad decision making. We, uh, I guess we don't 
think it through, Curses. Okay, for you, when when did you when did you recognize your bad decision making skills? I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to give me a brownie point right now. I know what I made good decision when we got married. Wow! Look at that boy. <laughs> okay, you, now, got, you got your you got your star on the board. <laughs> now, when it comes to all the bad decisions that was made in life. I really didn't want to continue to go down that path, okay, from in and out of jail, uh, ducking and dodging, disregard for the law, disregard for self, hell, disregard for anybody. Um, All those things is what kind of made me want to do better, especially if I was going, once I became a parent, and had to be an example and wanted to, in fact, tell my kids to make good decisions based on what they eat, lifestyle choices, uh, spirituality, the whole nine. Okay. Your turn, I get your way. All right, your way. You know, okay. My next one is um, is uh, is very very personal, very painful, and it's one that I still struggle with to this day. Uh, I allowed it to, you know, to go on uh, for too long, and after a while, it became not a curse but a problem. You know, you can get so deep into it you'll find yourself trying to dig out but uh, one that my family has always um, had and and this is my what I call it and that's uh, their money mentality their money mentality and this is this is this is the way my family taught me this is what they still believe to this day listen closely and y'all might be able to understand it their mentality is simply this get all you can and can all you get Get all you can and can all you get. Get all you can and can all you get. Where I come from, you put things in the freezer or you put them in a mason jar. You know, you can them and you keep them for a rainy day. You keep them for when you can't farm and when you can't afford it. So in other words, uh, basically what they're saying is make your money, but once you make it, you keep it. You don't waste it on anything. You don't give it away. And... By doing that, yeah, you'll build up a little nest egg. They tell you to save it for a rainy day. The problem is it's always raining for somebody. And so my my problem was once I got it, 
because I am a pastor, you know, I'm required to help people. It's in my nature to help people. But as I'm helping them, everything that I can is now beginning to go away. Okay, but the problem is they didn't teach me how to really, really invest. They didn't teach me how to take my money and make money. They didn't teach me how to do anything like that. So now all of a sudden, you know, you get down to much as nothing. So that that mentality right there, get all you can and can all you get. That's what you do. You go get it. You go get it. And don't you waste it on nobody. Uh, You know, I don't care what you need. You know what? You do without it. You do without it. So whenever I had opportunities to go on luncheons with people that of influence, I would say, you know, I, you know, I'm like, no, I can't go. I got to pack my bologna sandwich and sit there and eat it in the car or whatever. And, and that, 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 I missed a lot of opportunities because of this mentality. Hello? Right here. So, Pastor Stewart? I'm still here. Okay. I I can relate to that. When you when you say financial or, or money problems, um I'm I'm I was thinking a little bit of the opposite. You know, um when when I was younger, of course nobody taught us about investing and having your money go to work for you. You know, so that when you run out of that little bit of change, you still have that nest egg. Um, it was very much to the contrary. You know, you can't take it with you. Go ahead and, you know, get what you want. Live your life. You know, have everything and enjoy your life. Um, because when, you, when you're dead and gone, you can't take the money with you. So that was, you know, one aspect. That was the aspect that I grew up with. So... And the really weird thing is, is I, I work in the finance field, and I'm I'm good at what I do. I'm good at, you know, being able to take what we have and make sure all of our needs are met. But when it comes to very much like you, investment, that, that's my weak area, you know. So um, I, I can definitely understand understand that one. Is it a fear of investing? You said is it a fear of investing? No, just lack of education. Lack of, I mean, yeah, lack of education. Don't know anything about it. Yeah. You know, you just, you know, and for me, if you're going to ask the question, when did I realize if, what did I do about it? I didn't realize it until I got married. You know, because as long as I'm out there, a single man, you know, for the most part, I didn't want for nothing because I didn't know that I should want something, to be honest with you. But once I got married, um, I married uh, an accountant, okay? Now, <laughs> an accountant does things a little different than <laughs> than the way I was taught. So when it began to affect my marriage, when it began to be to, to the point where it was like, look, we can't go out here and eat. We just got to keep this. What do you mean keep this? We've got to put a little bit of this in the 401K. The 401 who? Oh, no, it ain't going. This is going to the local bank, and we're going to put it in a savings account. That's exactly right. And you, you're talking about all of this. 
Oh no, we can't. We're not going to do that. And we're going to open up a savings for the children. We're going to no, no, no. So when it started to affect my marriage, the way my wife and I, you know, saw each other, that's when I realized, you know what? I've been robbed. I've been robbed. I've been cheated. I've been raped. Could I have educated myself? I probably could have. But when it's people that you love, you take them at their word. You take them at their word. And they tell you exactly what to do and what not to do. Playing sports. Don't you buy another glove. Just take this one right here. You mean this one right here that you bought in 1938? You mean that one that has no padding in it? You know, outside my house right now, there is a basketball goal. Right now, a basketball goal that I had when I was, I'm going to say, five or six years old. I remember when they put it up, and I still have it to this day. First of all, that tells how durable it is. But second of all, it tells how cheap I was. And here it is. My son is trying to play basketball in it. And if you know anything about a basketball goal, it has some um, some some little eyelets, if you will, hanging down so that you can hang the nets on them. Well, over the years, the things have just rusted away. So I've been putting up, you know, the nets with tape, taping them up, taping them up, you know, because that's the way you do things. You don't buy a new one. You keep using that one over and over and over again, you know. And so that's the type of things that, um, you know, that I was brought up on. And whether you want to call it a curse or not, uh, for whatever reason with this one, I didn't make a choice until I had been married for some time and it became a problem in my marriage. Now, are we better today? Tremendously. But because of that, you know, I didn't learn to take care of my credit. I didn't learn to do this, that, and the other. I was told you handle it with cash. You know, you do that. When you give it to them, you get your receipt, and you keep all your receipts. You know, all these things. But guess what? I'm not establishing credit. So now when you go out to buy a house or a vehicle or whatever, 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 they look at you like, are you 42 or are you two? Because y'all got the same credit score. You know, so it's things like that. So, you know, now I can be angry and blame them for everything, but eventually at some point it's on me to take authority and say I've got to do something about this. I've got to do something about this. And so with my children, my two oldest sons, uh, especially the oldest one, he has immaculate credit. His stuff is great, you know, Uh, and I'm glad of that because I was able to teach him from my pain. Man, let me tell you, when I was two, I had better credit because people had shit in my name. And it... <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were a homeowner at two years old. I'm trying to tell you, Jack, I had cell, uh, telephones and electricity. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to spell my name. <laughs> Let alone the social security number. But you, you, both of you are, are absolutely right. And mine is the same. My next one is absolutely the same. This is a different dynamic. Mine was more so like the love of money. I've seen my grandma who 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 has the means like swindle. My my wife, she can tell you. I've seen like they're going to hold on to it until like bruh. When I tell you hold on to it, I mean hold on to it. Wow. 
my mother the same way. Now, the things that the things that she wants, she can go get. There, I mean, and walk out with it. And truthfully, probably could walk out and and be an owner or part owner of the store. But I think the lack of exposure in in her sense is the reason why, you know, you just have good credit but nothing to pass along truthfully, if that makes sense. You can't teach me about investing because you don't know about investing. You know about burying it under the house or, or putting it in the freezer or under the mattress or what have you. You know what I mean? And and that does absolutely nothing for you, truthfully. It doesn't. That money isn't working for you. That money is asleep. That money is hibernating. Yeah. So what I and if the money hibernating, then you know it ain't. You you. I'm sorry. It ain't working. It can't be working. If it's hibernating, it can't be working. So I made a lot of of bad decisions because of lack of knowledge. So that right there, the exposure. Once again, once you get the exposure, then you can make better decisions. You can understand that uh, paying into a 401k. You can understand. Entrepreneurship, business owners, you can understand, you know, investing in other things and in people. Complacency, that was, that's, a, that's another one. They're complacent with having money right now, but not having money grow or do anything beyond that point, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a whole lot of sense, man. It, it really, it really, it makes it makes the world of sense now. Uh, I wish we would have had this blog talk, you know, thirty years ago, and um, you know, I think I'd be a little better off. But you know what? Thank God now, because if nothing else, you know, one of the things that's been uh, established on this line is that we don't go through things just for ourselves. We go through them for others. And so if there's somebody else on the line that um, have somewhat suffered or experienced what we're experiencing, then, you know, maybe this will be a blessing to you. Maybe this will help you to, to get out of, um, you know, that, that dilemma that you're in, you know, by listening to our pain and uh, the things that we experience. Oh, for sure. I mean, you 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 have you have a lot of naysayers. My family, they will tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't, versus give you a single reason why you should. When I moved to Georgia, oh no, Georgia, that's the most racist place, and the white folks and the KKK and this that two and the third, and I said, my, which is what I call my grandma. I said, when was the last time you was in Georgia? Oh hell, uh, 1960. It was before you was born. And I'm like, shit, every place was racist in the 60s. So if I would have went just based on that, we wouldn't be here now. You got to step out on, I mean, I know the Bible says lean not on your own understanding. But once you talk to God, you got to step out on faith. Yeah. And that kind of been, that kind of been the mood, the moment 
or the mood that I've been in, step out on faith. God ain't gonna bring you this far to to abandon you. Mm. I think complacency is something that that um most families uh struggle with and deal with because um and and I don't know, maybe maybe it comes just from the times in which you know, when we went through the civil rights and they just kind of gotten like once we took one step, you know, it was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm tired of running. You know, I ran this mile and we'd have come this far, so now I'm just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy it. So um, I think that we come from people who kind of made what they perceived to be major milestones for their time, and they just stopped to kind of enjoy in that moment and enjoy it a little too much. Um, you know, so when, right. when I think about complacency, I, I look at it like, you know, I come from, you know, a praying family on, on both sides. You know, both of my grandmothers were, were prayer warriors, and I'm sure, you know, the mothers and grandfathers before them were prayer warriors too. But um, sort of like you on that same level, of, of being of faith, when especially when you talk about faith, they're prayer warriors and they believe and they know that God is God. When it comes to things such as stepping out and taking a chance and um, being led by the Spirit and being led by faith, their their fear kicks in and kind of takes over. You know, I'm like you when I had a conversation with my dad about moving the first conversation I had, he was like, yeah, you know, you don't, opportunities like that don't come every day. And then after he thought about it and so he say, prayed about it for a little while, second conversation went a little different, you know, and then I had to, you know, <laughs> say to him, well, daddy, you just told me the same God that's here is the same God that's there. Now you're telling me, um, you know, ain't nobody down there with you. And, different things like that. So I, at that point, I had to just make up in my mind, but, you know, if I'm a, you know, it was, how did I say it to myself? I will go even if I am afraid. So, um, you know, I'm going to step out in faith, even in all of my fear. You Ooh, know what I I'm like saying? That. So even though, you know, even though I'm in my mind, like, I'm scared as hell, but I'm going to go. You know, I have to go, you know. So it was one of those things to where um, I prayed, and I told you the same prayer that I had then is the same one that I have now. Let everything I do in this day be on purpose. Every person that crosses my path and vice versa, um, let it let it, let it be on purpose. Let it be because this is absolutely your intention for me, um, whether something comes of it or not. But I think that, you know, even, you know, husband and you, Pastor, can can look back because you know a little bit of my story and see that it worked. I'll say. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sure. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is for sure. That is, that will, let me throw my next one out there. My family has a uh, a bad habit of lying on God. I didn't say relying on God. I said lying on God. You know, and I, I say that because 
you know, uh, I do come from a family of praying people, but after they pray, it's amazing how uh, the very same thing that they want to happen is what God's saying needs to happen. You know, so in other words, you know, the Lord just don't want you to do that. Well, okay, why did why ain't come tell me why you know why why you gotta send my mail to your house you know that's, that's right, what I right. want to know you know uh, and and because because they were lying on God we basically developed a fear of heights and by fear of heights mm. I mean you know you don't ride roller mm. coasters you don't go out and apply for jobs you know above where you are right now you don't move to bigger cities. You don't go to buildings with a lot, with you know, elevators and things of that nature. I mean, that's that's the mentality. You know, the Lord don't want you to do that. And they would throw a scripture out, you know, and uh, part of a scripture, part of a scripture. Time, at, that, at that time, I didn't know it was wrong. But one of the scriptures they would throw out was this one. You know, when they tried to build a um, a tower to heaven and the Lord tore it down. You don't supposed to be in elevators, and you don't have any business. Business going up in roller coasters, and you shouldn't be in an airplane. You need to keep your feet on the ground. That's why God gave you feet instead of wings. And on and on and on and on, you would hear about these things. And, you know, again, you know, you didn't go against family, you know, even though I felt like it. And sometimes I had a smart mouth. But as I began to develop a relationship with God for myself, I found out, okay, there are some things that I should not do. I should have wisdom. But now here it is. I'm praying for God to give me an opportunity. I've gotten education now, and here it is. I sent my resume out, and you've given me an opportunity to apply for a job in the nearest large city, and the the, the job is on the 48th floor, and you're telling me I can't do it because you've only made 18000 a year of your entire life, and they're going to start me out at 41000 you know, way back then, and you're telling me, God's saying, don't take that job. Okay, now what God are you listening to? What You know, when, when did you become God? And so they had a mm. tendency of lying on God. And whether that's lying on God or feeding me bad information, but I say lying on God because as soon as they would throw the God factor in, that's when my feet would just all of a sudden stand still because you don't mess with God. You don't make God mad. You don't anger God. And so I would just, for the most part, stand still. And then, again, what broke it? Now, you can say exposure, but it was reading for myself, information. That that broke it right there. When you get truth mm. for yourself, when you know it for yourself, nobody can take it from you. I've got, mm, uh, for instance, I don't mind using this. I've got a mother right now. You can take $100 billion, and you can sit it at the top of the Sears Tower, and all she's got to do is get in the elevator. You don't have to tell her how far up she got to go. All she got to do is get in the elevator and go and get that $100 billion. That $100 billion will rot right there because my mother's not going to do it because she has a mm. fear, just a fear, just a fear that you don't do that. You don't go against that. And me personally, I'm taking the stairs up there, the elevator too slow. I'm going to get it, you know. But again, that's <laughs> that's her that's her mentality, and again, it worked fine for her. But it placed limitations on uh, on me because and, I wanted more. Yeah, it did, Absolutely. and and so 
And so that's why I said lying on God, man. So um, these are some strange generational curses, but. I'm going to give you one more. Real or you, I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to change directions. My wife said that her family her, are generations of prayers, prayer warriors. Well, my generation, my my family is a generation of prayers, right? They're gonna pray on your fear. They're gonna pray on mm. everything. Not pray for, <laughs> okay. not pray for. Okay. Pray on. <laughs> you know. Okay. And they're not gonna they're gonna bring you down to keep you on keep your feet on the ground on the lowest level because they're afraid. Wow. Okay. Wow. And we all know that uh <laughs> Mr. Cook ain't afraid. Mm. We going. We we going all the way to the top. And I'm gonna get that hundred billion and and I'm gonna leap off with faith. <laughs> I'm gonna step <laughs> off. <laughs> because I know that the guy that put that hundred billion up for me, he gonna bring me down. Safely, fast. So we can distribute oh, this man. to the world. You dig? <laughs> so that's that's one of the things that 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 has played upon my family. That's so that's the generation of curse right there. Wow. Don't prey on the weak. Wow. Don't exploit that's, the less mm. for your game. That's you good. can't you can't do that. That is good. Yeah, that's good. So the the direction <laughs> we're gonna change now. We're going to talk about generational changes. One of the things that I've heard, and it's been mutual for the three of us, in almost every topic or every generational curse, was exposure. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the more exposure, the better off you will be. The more you expose your kids to, the further they could go. Is it safe to say that? Definitely so, from my standpoint. Definitely so. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and I can agree with that. Um, you know, just to take it, a, just to give you an example a little bit further, and we all grew up kind of, kind of sort of in the same time, so to speak. But like, I grew up in a time where. 1938, that's what Pastor said. Hey, come on now. The churches, you know, I grew up in the time where the church that you went to, you you had a black pastor, you had a black congregation, you had black deacons, you had black ushers, you, the entire church was was black. And even even if it was two blocks down, shoot, even two doors down maybe, you know, the white folk went to that church. That's the time that I grew up in. And um, obviously now the world is a bit more evolved than it was back then. So I say now that here we've been able to expose our children to multicultural churches to where, um, and not only is it in the church, but it's in the schools to where it's not just black and white in the school. You have black, you have Asian, you have Latinos, you have um, Caucasian or white, you have um and then you have multi multiracial school 
and even the churches, um, multiracial, multicultural. So they're exposed to different types of learning. So not only do will our children be able to learn about Christianity, um, they can learn about other faiths from their friends as well so that they understand. Um, and when they grow older, obviously, you know, we would want them to, to believe in the same way that we do, but they're able to have enough knowledge and education to live life um, according to what makes them comfortable. They're not limited, mm. like you said. Um, and so I think that, one, exposure has come simply because the world has evolved and is now a little bit of a different place than it was when we grew up. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to kind of expand on that a little bit. In, 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 in my business, someone said, you have a white barber. I said, we do? He said, yeah, the girl next to you. I said, oh, shit, all this time she was just a barber. I, I don't care mm-hmm. about the hue, the hue of your skin. It's about you as a person, right? Mm-hmm. If you can, If I could learn something from you, you can learn something from me. We can break these stereotypes. We can break these boundaries, you know, that grandma and, and mom gave you when it comes to the fear of someone else. Remember, they prey on that, and they want to limit you just based on their fears. Okay, my grandmother's 74, 75 years old. So she grew up in a time where you don't look a white person in the eye or, you know, a, a white kid called a black elder by their first name. That was, that was that time. But here it is years and decades later to where that fear isn't there. I'm a man, you're a man, regardless of the hue of the skin, you're going to respect me. You follow me? So exposure does play a great part. And what I love about exposure, it gives us the opportunity to learn that no one is better than anyone else. And that's what I'm, I teach my son by going to this diverse school, by living in a d- diverse community. You don't have to be limited to, to urban wear, urban music, urban thoughts. Now you can be exposed and with having these friends from foreign places and, and other places, now you can see how they live, how they were raised, their culture. So that takes your knowledge and expand a little bit more. That's what exposure has done for me. And I think that I attribute that to going to the military because I went and got exposed to other cultures and other places and other way of living. I can't go back to, you know, the fear of grandma, the fear of mom. I can't let them play on or pray on my my mind with their fear and plant those seeds of, you know, negativity, plant those seeds of doubt, plant those seeds of fear in me, and I can't do it to my kids. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'm with you. I'm 
scribbling some things down, but that's um, I agree with you wholeheartedly because exposure really, at least for me, eliminates um, or at least minimizes limitations. If once I'm exposed, you know the, the limitations, you know they have to go. Then you know I'm 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 very limited. Without knowledge, without information, without exposure, I am very, very limited in my conversation, in my activity, you know, all of those things. You know, um, growing up, there were three types of bread. It was what we call loaf bread, it was biscuits, and it was cornbread. And not until I got... Yes, sir. (laughs) Not until I got older did I realize that there was wheat bread out there. There's pumpernickel out there. There's rye bread out there. There's hoagie rolls out there. There's, you know, all these things. But I had to leave my little town and go all the way up to the big city of New York, and they're asking me, what type of bread do I want? Well, I just want a sandwich, dude. So, I mean, you don't have a one choice. You're not going to put that on cornbread. We, you know, which, which, you know and, and, and here I am, had no idea. You know, I grew up, and there was one type of mustard. And that was French's yellow mustard. Never heard of spicy mustard. Never heard of brown mustard. Never heard of any of that. So, But exposure, whether I used it or not, I was exposed to it. And so if I don't have that exposure, that limits who I can marry. Uh, if I can only live in a small town that I'm in, I'm pretty much, you know, going up with a cousin. I mean, that's just... And you can only way. work at the, the the grocery store right there on the corner. <laughs> there you go. So it's sort of like, okay, you're very, very limited. So, you know, um, uh, but getting out, I'm like, hold up. There's some people that their skin is lighter than mine. I mean, she's kind of cute. Is she a black woman? What is I like that because Redbone, what is that? Oh, I want one of them. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know we didn't have Mexican uh, people of Mexican heritage. We didn't have, you know, people mm-hmm. of uh, Jamaican descent. It was black people. It was white people, and that's mm-hmm. it. So exposure to me eliminates all the limitations. You know, I'm able to. Growing up, I had ABC, NBC, and CBS. And that's all that I had. I had nothing else. And PBS. Don't forget, y'all had Mr. Rogers in Sesame Street. PBS. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, because they dressed me like him. So, yeah, they had him. I hate him to this day. (laughs) (laughs) That's Mr. Rogers, not Big Bird. (laughs) Yeah. But, but see, that's that's all we knew, man. And and, um, everybody went to church dressed alike. Everybody went to school dressed alike. You know, it's just. You know, and again, don't don't take for a second that uh, I'm not thankful because I am. You know, I, I, there's a lot of people that didn't even have what I had, but you know, I am thankful. But I was limited. But exposure, man, opened up the world to me, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is amazing. This is good. This is awesome. You know, and 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 I think that that's what we need to do with our children. And and other generations, the next generation has exposed them to. Uh, there's a world out there, and guess what? The same God that made this town that I'm in, God made uh, Tokyo, Japan. He he made Switzerland. He made wherever. He made it. So if God is everywhere, why should I stay here where 
we claim God lives. You know, he, he's right, everywhere, right. man. So, you know, that that's another way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you something that's going to make you laugh. My wife already knows. Give so, it to me. <clears throat> my father's Cuban, right? And my grandma, to this day, to this day, because he's of a, you know, Afro-Cuban, you know, dark Cuban, it's like, oh, man, he's black. <laughs> I'm like, eh, probably not all the way. Something that was somewhere in there. But they're so used to looking at someone's skin tone and making a judgment. So yes, I'm, I'm talking, and, you know, I'm like, Ma, did you know, you know, she was like, nah. She was like, I I believe it. It, it makes sense because such and such, you know, grandma and, and granddaddy and so on and so forth. So I'm like, I go to my grandma. Ma, did you know? And she was like, what the hell? He black. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, I think you're missing something. So I'm I'm in school. I'm speaking Spanish and fluent, and and it just the tone comes natural. So I'll go back and I'm I'll think I'm on the phone or something. I'm speaking Spanish or talking to the neighbor in Spanish or something. And she's like, "All right, man, I'll be talking that shit around me." <laughs> yeah. Huh? <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" She like, you know, she's damn near like 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 Bush, you know. We in America, you speak American around here, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. So once again, that's just another example of the lack of the lack of exposure. And 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 the words that you use are much more colorful than I'm going to use on the air. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. that's 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 the limitation that they try to put because of their lack of knowledge which the dictionary would, would deem that as ignorance, mm-hmm. their lack of knowledge, that's what they spew onto you and plant in your head. So now you only know, quote, unquote, black, black American mm-hmm. or African American, when in actuality you, you have a whole culture, because remember now, it's, it always asks who your father, you are who your father is. But y'all don't want to acknowledge that I'm actually Cuban. Y'all just want to see me as black, you know, and don't speak that, that, that shit in my house, you know. But just like yourself, I had biscuits, I had cornbread, I had light or white bread, right? We didn't even have pancakes. So now, I, I hey, pancakes and waffles? Shit. What? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about that flatbread life. And then my wife introduced me to pita bread. Oh, Lord. What? We got more options? <laughs> so, have uh, you just explained to me? <laughs> I wondered where the cigars came from, but now I got it. Now I got it. <laughs> cigars and beard. It's like, it's like, it's like the black uh, Fidel Castro, right? Yeah, that's what it is. You got that Castro working <laughs> on you, man. So... <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my God! 
Nah, man, this exposure thing is real, though. And and in this generation, um, you know, uh, there's no excuse. There are enough books, you know, along with, you know, the Internet, just general conversation, prayer. I mean, there's so many things that gives us the exposure that we need to destroy all of these um, stereotypes and idiosyncrasies and all these things. We don't have to live like that. If we do, it's by choice now. Now, it may take some time to dig out. It may take some time, you know, but guess what? You can come out, but you got to want to, and you got to put some work in. You got to grind. But we can get out of this, man. We really can. But I'm going to tell you something that's funny. So when I when I made mention to my to my grandma and my mom was sitting there in this doing this conversation, uh, she was like, "Well, he did have good hair." Wait, wait, hold up, 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 hold up. That's the only connection that you have. That that's the only explanation you have with Hispanic is good hair. That's it. That should have been the flag that went off right then. The sirens, the the spider sense, everything should have been like, these folks don't have a single clue of what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It wasn't oh, until she didn't come to Georgia to, since 1960 and told me that everybody here was racist or or or... or <laughs> you know, presence, what have you. And when I stepped outside the shop that particular day, I counted 10 interracial marriages or couples with biracial children. And I was wow. like, I got on, the, that's when I got on the horn right then. It was like, when was the last time you was in Georgia? And I'm like, oh, well, that explains. But exposure, <laughs> exposure now, because growing up in Ebor City, it was, it was predominantly black and Hispanic. Mm. In fact, I can't count a single white person in the community. It was black, Hispanic, or Italians, but, you know, that's just what it, what it was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I refuse to have my son living in that bubble. I refuse to have my kids living in that bubble. I refuse to to live in that bubble. I refuse. Well, the world is not going to take us out. I mean, if, if you know, I understand what the law says and everything, but the world is not going to say, listen, you have free reign and open access to this. They can't stop you if you want it, but if you don't go for it, then they're not going to welcome you and say, yeah, you can come and live right beside me or whatever. So we, we've got to step up and, um, and take our rightful place. We've got to, we've got to do that. And I mean, from the, I hate to say it this way, from the street to the pulpit. No matter where, man, we got to stop thinking. Like you said, you know, I've got a uh, Caucasian gentleman inside of uh, my church. Well, I've got several now, but there's one in particular. His grandmother told him, said, "I can't believe that, you know, you go to a black church." And he told her, said, "Look, I go to a brick church. I didn't know it was." You know, I didn't know it was black as brick, you know, and he's taking a stance because, um, you know, he was exposed. But now 
laugh or take it seriously, he was exposed to a black woman that he fell in love with. And because of that, mm. that caused him to come, you know, to the uh, quote-unquote black church. And I don't know if your grandmama said it or mine, but once you go black, you don't go back, I guess. I don't know. But that's that's what broke it for him. And he grew up with, you know, a lot of people that were quote-unquote racist, but, you know, he fell in love with this black woman, you know, had a baby by her, and he's been there with us for, I guess, about nine years now. And he is one of the more faithful people that are in the church. He really is. So uh, exposure does make a difference, you know, exposure. I, I, I love to see him sitting down and eating, and he just he just loves the food. And, you know, for us, it's just, Sunday dinner, but for him, it's like, oh my God, collard greens, man, what did you do to this? What did you, it's just collard greens, brother, that's all it is to it. Oh, but it's so good. Well, that's how we roll, that's how we cook, you know. Yours came out the can, I was came out the garden, whatever, I don't know. But, you know, it, it's amazing because he's openly sharing, you know, a lot of his um, wisdom, his upbringing, and, uh, and it's really making a difference in some of the things we do in the church because they were better planners than we were, you know. So uh, it's exposure matters, man. It really matters. It does, and we got to continue to we we, we got to continue to not only expose ourselves but expose the kids, expose everyone that we come come in contact with to teach them that and to expose them that once again, I'll, I'll say this, that Fox isn't talking about me. Period. And when you step out on faith into a new location, be it restaurant, be it office, be it wherever, like my wife said earlier, I'm going to go, I'm going to step out even if I'm scared, if I'm afraid. I believe that yeah. was the exact quote. I'm going to step out even if I'm afraid. That's what we have to do mm. because we can't allow someone else's fear or someone else's thoughts or ideas keep us from progressing. In life, as a community, hell, as a human, we can't allow that. Because God is not going to put us there, especially if he got our steps. He's not going to put us in harm's way. That's from my simple mind. I don't know, but that's just from what I know about it. From the God I serve. <clears throat> well, in my mind, I think that's, you know, he said in his word that I, I, w- I wish above all things that you prosper. You know, and, you know, he wants us to prosper. He wants us to move forward. There are places in the Bible where he told, I mean, groups of people, you've been at this mountain long enough. You know, get up, take your rightful place. You need to move forward. You know, the promised land that he had for them, it wasn't back in the wilderness. It wasn't in the desert. It was, you know, a good distance away. But they had to be willing to let go of all that they knew and all that they had become familiar with and moved to the place that God was had set aside for them. And oftentimes we want God to bless us, 
but we want the God to bless us where we are and not go where God has already blessed. And most of our prayers is, you know what, God, take care of my children, keep my house safe, keep this, keep that. But we don't understand seasons change. And maybe your blessing is no longer in, you know, wherever you're living right now. If your blessing is three states over, then you know what? I know you're scared, but as someone just said, you know what? Even if you're scared, jump anyway. Jump anyway. Because if your blessing is over there, God's going to make sure that he gives you everything to make it there. But we have the tendency of saying, you know what? Um, I'm not chasing the waterfall. I'm going to stick to these rivers and lakes that I'm used to. That's I heard that somewhere. Uh, and, and that's what... That's that's our mentality, man. But listen, um, I'm, you know, here in the big state of South Carolina, and my wife is from Louisiana, and I met her in the big state of New York. When I got ready to leave home, basically I was told, you better not go up there. I was threatened. They said, if you do go, I'm going to kill you. I've been told a whole lot of things. Her mom was telling her, you don't know anybody up there. Now, we didn't know each other at all. We were going looking for a better life. But once we got up there, some kind of way, we both were directed to the same church. And when I saw her, I knew that was it. That was it for me right there. After I got what I needed from New York, I left. So in other words, had I not been exposed up there, I'd still be either wifeless or I would be in a divorce or I would be like everybody else around here, have, you know, five kids by eight women. I don't know how that's possible, but, you know, but because I was exposed to something greater, because I desired something more, because I decided to put in the work to go and get it. You know, God's blessed me with, you know, a beautiful wife and and kids, and I, I thank him every day for that. I really, I really, really do. And so I got so many of my brothers and sisters, so many of my family members that aren't happy with who they have, all because, you know what, you've been knowing them your whole life. Y'all grew up together. Y'all played in the same sand pit, and you didn't take her because you loved her, or that's who God wanted for you. You chose her because of a lack of options, a lack of options. Mm. And so I, I thank God so much for that, man. So it's on us. So generational curses, I think they do exist. But I think it's up to us to uh, make a generational choice and say, you know what, I want more, and I'm not going to allow anybody around me to just settle. I'm going to let them know that more exists. So I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to share my wisdom, share my knowledge, share my blessing. And with that exposure, now they've got the resources to, you know, to to, to have a better life. Mm. Miss Quick, what you got to say about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think both you guys are on point. Uh, I can only talk from for from personal, you know, from my personal experience, and um, it's it was exposure, um, but then too, it was you know I talked a little bit about being exposed or self exposed, being exposed to just getting to know myself, and for me. Um, I learned, as I'm sure for everyone else, that God works in, in phases. And so I 
while I was learning how to pray for, you know, what I wanted for my future, I also had to um, learn how to live in my right now and listen to God for the right now. And so um, a little bit like, like pastor is, you know, kind of how he, you know, came and came about into his exposure and met his wife is I um, had actually just bought a house and was content in that house in Fayetteville, you know, um, and then not even a year later, you know, I got a job offer. As a, as a matter of fact, it was more like seven months later, I got a job offer to move to Atlanta. And it was, um, it was a situation where the boss that I worked for or the guy that, that oversaw the office there gave every reason under the sun as to why I wasn't the one that they wanted to hire. Now, you know, you don't want her. She, you know, she has uh, this, that, and the third going on. There's no family. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. And, you know, they basically told him, well, if I can't have her, I'm not hiring, you know, Ann, which was the other girl he was trying to get the job for. Anyway, I say all that to say that um, God can bless you with something today and turn around and put you in a situation where you have to give it up tomorrow. Um, That doesn't mean that it's not a blessing or if he puts you in that situation, that doesn't, or just because he blesses you with, for instance, a house, that doesn't mean that's going to be your last house or your only house. I think that um, those situations come about in order to test your faith and give you a deeper understanding of what your personal relationship is like with God. And so when you get, as we've been talking, exposed to these certain things that um, gives you the ability to break a generational curse or a generational habit, then you have to kind of go with your instinct and go with your gut feeling and, you know, even in fear, in all your fear, go anyway. Because if if God is moving, you got to know that he got you. So um, I think that, you know, for those who are listening, just keep those things in mind where just because you just received the blessing today don't mean to, another one or greater one isn't going to come tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Pastor, let's 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 connect all this to the Bible. Well, uh, we can go directly to the book of uh, Genesis, where it talks about the Bible said that the earth was dark and void. You know, there was nothing going on; it was just stagnant. And the Bible said that God spoke and said, "Let there be light," and then He began to create everything. And from that, I, I, I want to share this point. If the darkness was okay, you know, God never would have spoken light. If the void, you know, the, the, the land being void, no plants, no animals, no fish, no birds, none of that, if that was okay, God never would have put them in existence. 
And what I'm trying to say basically is I don't believe that the God that we serve wants us to live in darkness, you know, which is a lack of wisdom, a lack of knowledge. And he don't want us living a life of limitations where we have nothing to choose from. That's why he created everything. That's why he put everything out here. Now, again, God wants us to have these things, but he wants us to do it within, you know, uh, his parameters. You know, we don't suppose to put anything ahead of him, but God does not want us living in a bubble. And if you will read your Bible, you'll find out that God created everything, the heavens and the earth. And if he created everything and he is everywhere, like the Bible says that he is, and that he has all knowledge, like the Bible says that he has, then we're not limited to being in one place for our entire life. The Bible clearly says that, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant means without knowledge. He don't want you that way. He wants you to be exposed so that once exposure comes, ignorance leaves. He also said, in all you're getting, I don't care how much money you get, I don't care how much experience you get, I don't care how many connections you get, and all you're getting, you get wisdom and understanding. He wants us to have that. He wants us to have understanding. He wants us to have wisdom. And he said, if you lack wisdom, ask him. So it's clear from Scripture all throughout the Bible, God does not want us living in darkness. He don't want us living with limitations. He don't want us living uh, without wisdom, without knowledge, and without understanding. He don't want that. So in other words, he created an entire world. And nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that you're stuck in one place for the rest of your life. There's one man that I want to bring up, and I'll leave this thing alone. But there was one man, the Bible says that he was in the hog pen of life. You know, they call him the prodigal son. And he was sitting there, I mean, about to start eating what the hogs and the swine were eating. And when you get to that point, you've delegated or relegated yourself to less than a human being. You you decided to be something that God didn't intend for you to be. But the Bible said he came to himself and said, wait a minute, my father has better than this. My father's servants are living better than I'm living. I'm getting up from here. I'm going to my father, and I am going to put myself back in his mercy and back in his good graces. And that's my prayer for you tonight is that you will come to yourself and realize, you know what? It's not too late. Not only is it not too late, but I got a father that cares for me. And even if I made the mess myself, even if the curse was, quote, unquote, passed down to me, I don't have to live like this. I'm going to my father. I'm going to go to my father named God, and I'm going to ask, tell him, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want what you want from me. Please order my steps. That's why I said he does that. He orders your steps. He don't want you to stay in just this mess. So regardless of what your family left you, no matter what they did for you, remember that the Bible clearly says, you know what? Uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So my brothers and sisters, let's get up. Let's do something about this thing. Let's stop complaining about what we were given, and let's take these lemons and make some lemonade. I'm with you. I'm with you, 100%. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No doubt. Not not later on, but right now. Let, Got to do let, it, man. Let's make this change right now. 
Got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> Got to do it. Lord help me. Got to do it. Well, I'm ready to go to work. Uh, so I got to get off the I got to get off the line with y'all. I got to go to work. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> wife, do you have anything? Is your heart and your mind clear? Yes. Pastor, your heart and your mind clear? Uh, heart rate's increased a little bit, man, because I I just saw something that <laughs> just blew me away. But I'm I'm good. I just saw and heard something that, wow, it just blew me away. So, yeah, I'm good, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know you can always share it with us. Yeah, man, you That's all don't, I can say. Listen, yeah, man, you just you just don't know. Let me let. Well, I'll give you a little snippet real quick. Where I come from, you know, uh, a salesman can come in and everybody has the same set of encyclopedias. Everybody has the same satellite network. The majority of people, 90% of them, have got dish network. And I was one of the suckers. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to say that word. I was one of their many clients or whatever you want to say. But I'm sitting here right now with a, a dish network remote right here in my right hand. And laying in front of me is another remote that took me out of the dish network family, if you will. And I'm exposed to just so many more options and channels, and it's something little that don't mean anything to anybody, but it means the world to me. It means the world to me, and I say that because, again, without exposure, I didn't even know, to be honest with you, that something like this would really exist. But I'm looking, and the reason I say that this is blessing me, it's almost as if God is saying, you make the choice which one you want. You can go back. You can stay right here. This is where your family is. This is your upbringing. Go back to what you know. You don't know about this right here, but you're getting so much joy out of just that exposure. So I'm faced with an option tonight, you know, but I just thank God so much. So, again, that probably don't mean anything to anybody, but listen, there's always something else. There's always something else, another option, another turn, another opportunity. So don't settle, my brothers and sisters. God's too awesome for that. He's too awesome for that. Don't you settle. You don't have to settle. Come on, man. Every day is filled with possibilities. Every single day. It didn't happen for you today. Get up tomorrow. Get ready for the grind. The devil should have killed you last night because he don't know what he's going to have to face uh, today. I'm telling you, um, God's got it for us, but we got to get out there and go get it. Y'all got me excited. You know what? Mm. I'm so glad you said that because I I don't know. Maybe I've been thinking about this just for a couple of days. Um, I think I shared it with my husband. But Pastor, everything you just said, I believe that you're preaching and talking to yourself because I, for some reason, um, me and my husband were just talking about this the other day. I just, for some reason, it's just like. I feel like God is wanting you to step out and be seen because you have, like the lady said um, on the call last week, she had called in and listened to several 
um, she had streamed several of our conversations or, or of our shows, and she said to you that when you speak, you have such a way of talking to people where they want to listen and they want to hear what you have to say. And I just feel like that, that God is calling you to be bigger than what you are because you have the ability to reach more and to do more. Um, and so I think that the word you just put out there, you should just reach up and grab it because it's, it's, it's for you. Oh, called him out. I'm sorry, but it's for you. Wow. I told him that the other day. I ain't gonna even. I'm not even gonna since we already got him down and and, and against the rope. No, you can't kick him when he's down. But you got to. You got go to. That's the only way. That's the only way he go learn. It's the only way he go learn. Well, we had that conversation the other day about about growth. And yeah. And. He uh, <laughs> and, and, and he and he and he almost fought tooth and nail until you know I, I explained to him that we're going to do this. We are going to do this together, you know. So he's, you're absolutely right. There's there's a greater a greater audience for him. There's people who don't even speak English who will be moved by not only what he said but how he said. So I think it was uh, in the book of Ezekiel was, he said, well, it was said that you had to speak into the land of the dry bones. There's a need. Like there's a need out, you know, and, and my husband, he had only heard you speak once in his life, but I had, um, I was under your ministry for, for quite some time. And uh, like there is, a need for your calling. There's a need for your delivery. There's a need for your presence. And I think it's, it's bigger than where you are because and if I'm overstepping, you can obviously let me know. But, you know, we talked about, you know, you had mentioned just a little bit of your struggles um, last week. And I just, I just feel like that, this season of your struggles, obviously it'll soon be over. You've 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 been there and done that. But this next season, I think that God is you're you're here in this season because you're being pushed to something else and your resistance um is is probably keeping you from seeing where you're going and you're just like you said, you're sitting and you're looking at two different remotes, um, trying, and you have the option to go back or try something new. I think that that correlates to where you are right here in this moment. And something as small as a decision between a remote control, it can be life altering for you. And um, I don't, I don't, well, I don't know why I'm saying this to you. I shouldn't. You're, you're the pastor, so. But the, I just feel like things for you are about to change in such a way, you know, that's going to wow you. Um, And it's because, again, you're needed in a larger area because 
people need people need to hear how you speak. People need to need to see and need to relate to your testimony and in, in your teachings. Okay, I'm not gonna kick you no more. I have no idea what just happened. Um I honestly just don't know what just I mean, rarely am I speechless, but I'm not gonna tell you I'm afraid. I'm um I'm just here. That's all I can can say. And I normally I you know I know I laugh and joke at a lot of things, but the remotes were just in front of me. They're, they're still in front of me even now. And um I wasn't expecting this. Not asking for this. Uh I assume maybe I need it, I don't know. I, I, maybe I need to hear it, but you know, my my purpose for being on here is to try and you know, and help others if at all possible. Um but I will admit it's um it's tough to, to listen to this. Um and I promise you I'm not gonna just jump up and make some crazy move because I'm just who God made me. I'm nothing special, I'm nothing I, I'm I'm just who God made me. Wherever I go I'm gonna stay that way. That's just the way it is. And um my greatest concern is for my family. Um and then for the people that's on this earth, that's that's it. That's it's not that I don't want anything. It's just I knew how it came up, and I knew know that I've wasted a lot of time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, but whatever I have, I'm willing to share it with whoever. So this, I'm not gonna say this makes me feel good or bad. Um, as Quick said, he, you know, kind of spoke some of these very things. Uh, a few days ago, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think you underestimate your worth. Like, you, you know, you are who God made you, but as a receiver or, or, or as a student of your teachings and your delivery, you are something special. Um, but you... But what you don't understand is this is, and I, and I don't mean to minimize God. I'm not going, but guys, y'all, you know, I want y'all to understand something with all my heart. This is all I have. This is, this is it for me. This is, you know, it's it's either got to be God or nothing. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've invested, I've invested the majority of my life in this, and that, that's all I, that's all I have. Wherever He sent me. Um, you know, I've done my best to go. I've, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been to some very, very small churches, and I've preached all the way in Tokyo, Japan. And I'm not gonna lie, it felt good there. But I just want to do whatever it is He wants me to do. So, again, I'm not trying to minimize anything or whatever. I'm just being honest with you. This is all that I have, and mm-hmm. you know, all I ask God. This is this is my prayer. God, you know, I, it's, it's not that I don't want anything, but God, I need you to take care of my family. I, that's that's my pride and joy. God, whatever my family standing in need of, if you'll give them that, God, I'll I'll serve you. I'll I'll keep going for you. And um, 
So this is all I have, guys. It's not, it's not a show. It's not, you know, when I'm when I'm asking questions, it's because I want to know. I'm not really mm-hmm. want to know because you guys are a blessing. You guys really are a blessing. And I know you keep saying, well, you're the pastor. Well, that's my responsibility. That's my calling in life. But I'm just a little there, and that's it. That's just gone through a lot, and um, you know, and but I haven't suffered any more than anyone else, and I'm just trying to make a, you know, fulfill my purpose in the world. So uh, if somebody gets something out of it, then that's great, but I don't mind sharing what I have, and that's, you know, I mean, I don't care if it hurts me, embarrasses me, or whatever. And um, when I ran into Quick several, several years ago, you know, God just kind of sent that person that, um, you know, that you need that will, I don't know, it's just something kind of odd, you know, and it's just the conversations we're having now is conversations that we've had, you know, years ago. And, I, you know, I mm-hmm. love you guys for what you're doing. I love this line. I love everybody on this line. But when I get off this line, you know what, I'll probably sit here and flip these remotes for 20 or 30 more minutes. <laughs> it's something like that because, you know, God speaks through any and everything. But, you know, regardless of whether I'm pastor or not, Sometimes it's not so much that there's doubt as it is to what God, when God. You know, if you want me to preach and teach, you you tell me about that all day long. But when it comes to me and my life, rarely do I ever hear God speak, you know, to me. And I hope that helps somebody out there. I don't feel cheated or anything, but if I need to find something to teach or preach, I can hear God's voice. I really can. Mm-hmm. But if I ask God, where am I going to be living two months from now? <laughs> I hear crickets almost, you know, and I guess it's just about, about all about trusting him. And that's, I'm okay with that. I, I really am. But I just want my family to, um, you know, I want my family to experience a life that God wants them to have. And I want the same for you guys. So thank you for the words. And I promise you this, not about blowing up my head because, that ain't going to happen because I know that everything that I have, uh, it came from God, man, and, and, and it all belongs to him. So um, I don't know why when he said, do you have anything else, I should have just said no. But those two remotes. <laughs> you you did what you were supposed to do. You said what you were supposed no, to do. you know what? If I, if I kept my mouth shut, I wouldn't be sitting no. here, you know, leaping, you know, just just turning on the inside. But, um it's all good, I just, man. <laughs> I just think, you know, we well, we appreciate you, and um, and we know that you appreciate us and stuff. You know, we we have those types yes. of conversations, and you and Quick do as well. The the thing, I guess, you know, you you try when you when you teach and you you know in your delivery, you teach us um, about self worth, and I know that. You are as humble as they come, and you give God the glory in each and every breath that you take, and I know you do. And I think that, you know, you you underestimate the the power in that because when you have people, you know, like us um, and who's been through and who's going through, and you know you have other callers that that listen 
um, when you speak, you know, the, there's power in that. And so I say that to say that, man, you know, maybe it's, that's just, you know, like our prayer for you is that, that God keeps you going, but um, it's, it's just on a scale where I just, I don't know why you, you will reach more in, in your journey and what you do. And you'll continue obviously to do it for God. And I know that, but you, like you are, like you do it right. There's not a lot of pastors who do it right. You do it right. I don't know if you do it right or not, but what I do know is you do it. With, from a very sincere place, right, a very genuine I mean. place, and that goes so far. And the way that the world is at this point, at this moment in time, you need more sincerity, you need more genuine, and and that's what you're giving it. Like I said, there's people who don't even speak English. Or English isn't their native tongue that need, that would love to hear what you have to say, and uh, and I pray that it can happen through from the streets to the pulpit, because not only do you bless the callers, but every week, twice a week, and however often we talk, you bless me as well. I hate to be selfish about it, but you do bless mm-hmm. me as well, mm-hmm. and and coming from. My simple beginnings to where, you know, a preacher? Hell yeah, right. So I know know, if it it happened for me, it can do for you. But, man, every week, you know that the the one thing that I (laughs) always tell you, man, look, I probably should have shut up and not said anything, but it blessed me so much. You know, I get more out of these calls than, in my opinion, than anybody else. And as far as being humble is concerned, all I can say is this, this is all I have. And I understand that, you know, man, if it wasn't for God, man, I, come on, man, I, I, I wouldn't even have what I have. I don't have much, but you know what, it's, it's, it's all God. It's not about, it's really not about me or anything like that. So when, I, when I'm on the call, I talk a little too much, but it's because I'm gathering information. I'm 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 getting something that helps me through that next day or something that I can share with somebody else. So when it's all that you have, it's all that you have. So it's not a cry for help. It's just I want you guys to understand that um, God is just, um, you know, he's my all in all. And I don't get it right <laughs> most of the time, you know. Uh, but when I even when I get it wrong, he shows me how I can use it to be, a blessing, and like I said, if I had one desire in life, yes, I'd love to live, you know, um, in an extended period of time. But I, I want to see my family. Um, you know, they've made the greatest sacrifice, and I want to see others that are on this line. And I, I know for everybody that's listening, y'all, I, this is not scripted. This is not planned. I don't really even know what to say. I just. I'm I'm just blown away by um, by y'all's kind words, but I want you to understand again, man. It's just I don't know. It's just all about God, and I have to say it because that's that's truthfully the way it is for me. That's all I have. That's the listen, guys. That's the only way I'm making it is God. 
He's taking care of me. He's taking care of my family. And I and I thank him for that. I really I really thank him for that. And uh opportunities like this, this don't happen to people where I come from. You know, the people where I come from, the majority of them can't even spell blog talk. They I mean that's just the way that it is. And I get the opportunity out of all the people in the world to be on here with people like you guys and talking to people out there. That's I mean that's that's awesome to me, man. So I can't say I haven't experienced some great things, man. Listen, this is people just calling all across this country, people from Chicago and places like that, and they hear my voice, and I'm like, man, that's pretty cool right there. So I'm blown away by that. I am literally blown away by it. So I'm gonna leave it alone because y'all are really just uh, honestly, you didn't hurt me tonight, you wrecked me. And I wasn't expecting to hear any of this. I don't know what to do with this. And so the only thing that I'm going to do is just say, God, if that was you speaking, then you just got to make it clear and plain to me and order my steps, you know, And whether I'm afraid or not. You know, I'll take a leap if I got to take it. But if I have to stay right here, you know what, God, this is what you got for me, then um, let's get it. Let's get it. So, uh Thank you guys, but I do ask you for your prayers at least. Oh, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that. And now I pray that you know everything that you heard was received. Um, with 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 the greatest intent, with, with with no malice and no disrespect intended. I just know, for me personally, if you can touch me, you can touch anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the truth. No, I'm just kidding. So, you know, <laughs> so, just, just with that alone, you 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 got you you know God got the victory. You know, and I, and I thank each and every one of you for this call because every time I, I, we get off the line, I do feel victorious. I feel empowered that we can move forward, and I and and my my hope. And my faith in humanity has been restored every call. Every call. So if nothing else, thank God for moving the way he's moving through this line, Mm -hmm. through this, as you say, ministry, and through through the the knowledge that we put out. So now, everyone's hearts and minds are clear. Yes. (laughs) I'll speak up. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor, Pastor, we love you. We love you. I love my you wife, my spirit man. mate. I love you. Mm. Let's go ahead and, and and do what we do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lord, thank you so much for um, all that's transpired tonight. Um, only you get the glory, and only you deserve the glory. It is. Far beyond me, God, to understand um, how you can speak to everybody. Uh, and on a very selfish note, it's amazing to me that you can you can train the trainer, God. I thank you for that. But God, there's somebody on the line tonight that um, prayerfully heard something that's going to help them. Maybe they look at where they are and what they've experienced, what they've been, you know, given, you know. They, have, they weren't given a very good hand, but sometimes, God, we got to play the hand that we were given, and sometimes, God, we got to realize this is their hand and not mine. 
but help us, God, to say, you know what, anything and everything that I'm experiencing now that um, I don't have to experience, show me how to get out. You said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and I may have gotten myself in the mess, but Lord, show us all how to get out. Let us know, God, that we can make a generational choice, that we can empower ourselves, inform ourselves, we can expose ourselves to greatness, and, God, we can come out. You also said in your word, God, that if we hang around wise people, we'll become wise. And so, Lord, help us to make that decision to say, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but, Lord, I want what you want for me. And, Lord, I pray that you'll empower everybody to go and get it. Now, God, I also pray for this call that you'll continue to bless it because it's obvious that your hand is on it, not because of what's happened here tonight, but it's every week, God, some kind of way, there's something that happens, and I, only you, only you, that's all that I can say. So I pray, God, that whoever's on this call that will always make it about you, that we won't allow it to turn into an argument, we won't allow it to turn into uh, one hating another, but we'll always love each other as you've loved us. Let it be a place of empowerment, not a place of just entertainment. And then on a very, very personal note, God, bless this couple. Bless this couple that you've blessed with this ministry. I pray that it will reach the masses, that it will reach the world. And, God, it don't take everybody. It just takes one person that's maybe one that really needs to hear this. And, God, that's going to launch it into the stratosphere. And finally, God, everything that was spoken to me, about me, around me, whatever, God, I'm just kind of, you know, head just kind of spinning, God. I don't know what to say, so I'll just simply say thank you, and you please order my steps. Don't allow me to get ahead of you. Don't allow me to drag behind you, but help me to make sure that I grab your hand and I go in the direction you would have me to go. Thank you so much, God, and again, we give your name the praise, honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, family, that will conclude from the streets to the pulpit. We will be back live Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On behalf of my wife, on behalf of Pastor Robinson, we thank you for listening. We thank you for joining. We thank you for participating. And we thank you in advance for your efforts to break generational curses, for generational changes, choices so we can make generational changes. Don't be afraid to step out. Just step out. We love you, and we'll see you next week.